Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Good day, listeners. Welcome to today's broadcast. What is it Jesus is saying in this third beatitude? Somehow, when you hear those words, blessed are the meek, you don't feel like jumping up and saying, that's me, or that's what I would like to be. Being a meek person is not something that appeals to us, and it doesn't really surprise us to hear that there are people who found the very thought of meekness repulsive. They associate it with weakness, a weakness bordering on cowardliness. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In this word, Jesus talks about what it is that characterizes the heart of those who follow him. And when I looked up the meaning of the word meek that Jesus uses here, I found three choices. The words gentle, humble, and considerate. As I already indicated, this word of Jesus has a pronounced unfavorable sense today. Can you imagine a person who is gentle or humble or considerate playing on your hockey team or being a wrestler? or competing in the Olympics? But now the question presents itself. What did the people gathered on that hillside in Galilee, what did they understand Jesus to say when he said, Blessed are the meek? Did they think of a person who was an easy pushover, who would always yield, who never said a harsh word, who would never argue or debate a point? Well, if that were the case, then meekness would be indeed weakness. But the fact is, the Bible doesn't talk about the meek or the gentle in that way at all. When the Bible talks about the meek, it talks about people who have great strength of character, about people who do not compromise, about people who are willing to defend the truth, even unto death. It was said of the martyrs, they were meek, but they were never weak. Think of Moses, the man God had chosen to lead his people out of Egypt to the land of promise. Moses was not a weakling. The Lord had clothed him with authority and great power. For forty years, Moses led the children of Israel through the desert. You know the story of the murmurs of the people, of their rebellions. Surely their leader must be a man who had great strength of character. But though Moses was a man who was filled with the zeal for the Lord, Moses was a very meek man. The Bible says that. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all men that were on the face of the earth. David also showed his meekness and his gentleness of spirit in his dealings with King Saul, the man who persecuted him relentlessly. And so you see it in Stephen, who, in imitation of a Savior, prayed for those who stoned him to death. So Christ bore witness to himself when he said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And then you understand, Jesus, who was not afraid of the wrath of man, Jesus, who testified that he is gentle and lowly, he it is who says to those who had gathered to hear his Sermon on the Mount, You are blessed when you are indeed of a gentle spirit, when you are meek. 
He knew that there were people in his audience who were in deep distress, who were afflicted, who suffered anguish because of oppression, the oppression not only of Rome, but of their own leaders. The scriptures of the Old Testament had also spoken about the meek. David, speaking by the Holy Spirit, says in Psalm 37, verse 11, exactly what Christ says in this third beatitude, the meek shall possess the land. You see, David had seen it also. The contrast between the righteous and the wicked, he portrays that contrast most vividly. On the one side of the wicked, the wrongdoers, they are the people who, though they appear to prosper in their way, will be cut off. On the other side are the righteous, the people who are admonished not to fret because of the wicked and not to be envious because of the wrongdoers. They are people who are encouraged by the psalmist to trust in the Lord and do good, to take delight in the Lord, to commit their ways to the Lord. David also pictures for us what's going to happen, both to the wicked and to the righteous. Of the wicked, he says, They will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. They shall be cut off. But now look at the righteous. They will receive the desire of their heart. Why? Well, because the Lord will act. Not only will he vindicate the righteous, but he will also give them the land as their possession. The meek shall possess the land. If you were now to ask, Who were, who are the wicked in this psalm? Of whom does David speak here? It must be clear that David is not talking about the Gentiles. He is not talking about people who live outside of that special relationship wherein the Lord lived with his people Israel. Rather, the wicked are those children of the covenant who walk in covenantal disobedience. The wicked are the covenant breakers. Oh yes, they know about the Lord but they refuse to bow before his word. They blithely disregard his precepts, and they have no regard for his promises. They have determined to be a law unto themselves, and they think they think that the Lord does not see, nor that he cares. If that characterizes the wicked, and then it follows that the righteous are those who walk in the covenantal obedience— They seek the Lord and his righteousness. David speaks of them as those who wait for the Lord. He also calls them the meek who shall possess the land. It is of such people Christ speaks in this third beatitude. He calls them blessed, though he knows that they are often trampled upon and maltreated. They are blessed, says Jesus, though they are often oppressed. They are blessed because they place their hope in God and leave the judgment concerning their oppression in his hand. This is the judgment of the Lord. The meek, they shall inherit the earth. And now Christ repeats that word. He says, they shall inherit the earth. Oh, it's true. The word Christ uses can also mean the land. And if you were so to translate, then it is clear that Christ Jesus is saying to those people gathered on that hillside, that promise of the Lord, of which you read in Psalm 37, that promise, it's only for those who by faith belong to me. It's only for those who by faith respond to my word. It's only for those who by faith embrace me as their Savior and Lord. And surely that is what he says. But then we must remember something else. 
See, possessing the land was a guarantee, and it was a down payment of something far richer and far greater. You see, every pious Jew knew that possessing the land was really only a foretaste of possessing the eternal habitations of the Lord. The letter to the Hebrews sheds light on that. It says that Abraham and his descendants all died in faith, not having received what was promised. Now, you've got to think about that for a moment. After all, while they lived on this earth, they possessed the land of promise, right? Nevertheless, says Hebrews, they had not really received yet what was promised. As a matter of fact, they acknowledged that they were only strangers and exiles on the earth. They were still seeking a homeland, says Hebrews. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. So Jesus doesn't talk about inheriting the land. He talks about inheriting the earth, and he means the ground in which we walk. He means the soil in which we plant and seed. He says to all who walk in covenantal obedience, you are the inheritors, and so you will be the possessors of this earth. You may face all kinds of conflict. You may have to endure all kinds of harassments and all kinds of persecution. The Christians to whom the letter to the Hebrews was written already knew all about that. They had suffered the plundering of their goods, but don't you bear a grudge, says Christ, and don't you be resentful. Remember, it is the Lord who is your refuge, and his word of promise is sure, you will inherit the earth. This earth, you see, will not be annihilated. It will be cleansed. It will be purified by a refining fire. There will be a new heaven and a new, a renewed earth. John, on the island of Patmos, saw that. He saw not only that the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, he saw also the Jerusalem that is above descending on this renewed earth. And he heard a voice, a loud voice, saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. It is a glorious promise, given to all who walk in meekness, in humbleness of heart before the Lord, unto the praise of his glory. May our God work this gift of the Spirit in rich abundance in our lives. And then we will indeed seek justice in all things, but in gentleness and meekness. We will seek it, because also therein we seek the glory of our God. Thank you for listening. Till next time.